Good morning, people of the internet. You are listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank one minute at a time. I am one of your hosts, Dev. And I'm the other host, Hugh. And on today's show, we're looking at minute 55. So at this point, our lead character, Martin Q. Blank, played by John Cusack, is wrapping up his nighttime phone call in his hotel room in Gross Point, Michigan, with his secretary slash quartermaster slash intelligence gatherer, whatever you want to call her, Marcella, who's back in Los Angeles, played by his sister, Joan Cusack. And we've just seen a very kind of moving emotional moment in which there's some honesty between characters, uh, which there clearly wasn't in the previous minutes when he was on his date with Debbie. <laughs> but now, now it's time for movement. Not exactly action, but yeah. definitely movement. So uh, first of all, we see Martin crack open this case of his. We've seen the case before as he was sliding it into the event uh, early on. And, and we kind of commented on something like the the seeming realism of that as an act. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's actually something that I've, I've heard in interviews with Tom Jankovic, that that was something that he was very um mindful of with with writing about a hitman was trying to nail all of those points and i think really testimony to that um so he cracks open this this gun case uh and it's it definitely has some handguns in it it also has uh quite a variety of of knives and this is this is where i think there's a little tongue-in-cheek moment of um uh just a little play on on how he only has functional uh items and he's not afraid of the latest technology but he does like everything he has it serves a purpose because one of the things nestled in that case that we can see as he's closing the case is a swiss army knife and (laughs) who really needs to put their swiss army knife in a case yeah, that would be like when you're keying or something, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is pre nine. Uh, this is pre nine uh, eleven, right? So yeah, this is before there was intense scrutiny at uh, airport security checkpoints, especially if you're flying mm. domestically. Uh, everybody in America, not everybody in America, but a lot of people in America carry a knife around with them, either a utility knife or a multi-purpose tool, like or a folding knife. Because mm. it's it's not like it is in the UK where that's illegal and mm-hmm. it's uh, an excuse for the cops to uh, pull you up. But yeah, uh, it you know it's 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 not something that needs to be concealed in a case that's designed to have all of your dangerous items concealed in. So I, I thought that was a little bit amusing having that. It is little flare it's very funny. <laughs> it's a lovely little touch. Good on you for spotting it. Um, I kind of I. As somebody who's owned a Swiss Army knife since, of one sort or another, since 1980-something, you know, like, I totally get what you're saying. You know, in Switzerland, where I lived, it was great. It was no, everybody had one, right? We live in freaking Switzerland. And then once I moved to England, I was like, oh, I need to leave that at home. Um, yeah. So now it never travels with me. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's just, again, it is, this is where we cross, we push over into the satire, right? You know, um, I mean, I was joking in a previous minute that I don't think he's brought any clothes. He's just got a bag full of uh, uh, of, of hardware. And then, of course, this suitcase 
is just a suitcase full of hardware that falls out. But then, as you say, ironically, even a Swiss Army knife is packed in there. You know, yeah. Like, oh yeah, just in case. Uh, it's it's ludicrous and. But it's also a throwaway. It's not the main point of the shot. The fact, you know, it's there for people like you and me who watch films again and again. We just <laughs> happen to spot it, and that joke is the joke is in there. It's, it's the yeah. literal end joke, um, yeah. which is cool. Which is cool. I, I also quite like that. You know, he folds open this case, and he's got several handguns in there, mm, um, and, and several knives. And the thing that he reaches for is just a knife, right? Like not even mm. the biggest knife that he has in there. It's like you know, this is. Uh, you know, he's he's. I'm not entirely sure what he's doing. Just kind of. I think he's trying to reassure himself. I think so as well. Um, he's but... playing with the knife and the way he sort of strokes the blade, and yeah. it's like he's trying to remind himself and re- reestablish the assassin as opposed to the 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 boyfriend or the yeah, ex, you know, the 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 ex boyfriend, I guess. Yeah, um, and making sure everything is is ready, I guess. You know, checking the sharpness, checking the the point on it. Mm. Um, I don't know, yeah. but I mean, um, he's a professional. We've said before he likes to. Yeah, you know, he clearly takes care of his kit. He likes to prepare. He likes to be ready for things. Yeah. Um. And this is, but at the same time, he's been very, he's discombobulated by the way the conversation with Marcella has ended. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because you know she's deliberately misinterpreted something he said to paint a really um. Uh, uh, what I'm for. not a down and no but she wants to paint a uh morbid picture mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so yeah about the idea that we 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 can all go at any time kind of uh just to remind him about life and death and the thing yeah. they work in the business they work in but it applies to them too yeah um and I think he's just feeling melancholy really I guess yeah um and then once he's closed up the case, we cut to uh, him running across the yard of uh, Debbie's parents' house or Debbie's father's house. Yeah, and, and one of the things I like about it is that because we've just seen him messing around with his weapons and because he's suddenly in a baseball cap and green uh, uh, windbreaker, you're kind of like, is he about to go on do the job finally? Yeah. You know, for a moment yeah. there, because we haven't seen this location and the music this... really speaks to that as well, right? It's this yeah. kind of somewhat dramatic, intense, bum bada bum bada bum, bum kind of mm. like heartbeat style um, refrain that's that's playing as he's kind of running through the shadows across this yard. Mm. Mm. Um, and is then it, always... oh, oh, I was going to say, and then the juxtaposition as it cuts to the reggae music pumping out of uh, <laughs> Debbie's radio as we yeah. see her inside. The, the the eternal uh, 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 anglophile Britophile, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, eighties yeah. music nerd, um, yeah, that, I, yeah, she, she 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 really is his ideal girl in that sense. <laughs> but yeah, there's also something in there about the just thinking about the things with Marcella and 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 Martin before this moment. It's just the the the. The, the 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 fact that all of this is happening, i.e., the reason the ghoul is in town is part of the deal to eliminate Martin because Martin screwed up and accidentally killed someone's dog. Right. There is. I love the fact that not only does that get brought up again, but it's that overarching sense of irony that you know he might die because he messed up on a job. And killed yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. <laughs> 
it's um yeah i mean i i i was going to save this for a later minute but you you raise a good point with the boudreaux thing right because mm. we still don't fully know what that is right um it's just like that oregon affair with the dog called boudreaux mm-hmm. and that's the line yeah and and we get more in phil later on right but this is this is one of those things that kept me rewatching the film because that is what grocer is referencing in that initial conversation in la right after the the uh hit where he, he takes out the cyclist but gross is there as to mm. still take out the person he's meant to be protecting um yeah. in that sequence you know Grocer's needling him with like knowing all about Oregon, knowing about the Pacific Northwest, all that misting up there. And you don't really understand because he does so many weird facial tics and noises and things that, you know, the 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 implication is he knows that it's a dog because he's barking and then he does the kaboom and he knows the dog gets blown up. Spoiler alert. Um <laughs> And 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 the and none of that has been previously explained to you. You find out after the fact through this, and then through the breakfast date with Grocer that happens in a bit. Um, how all of that comes to pass, and and the idea of a film doing that to you, you know, not even for the main plot, right? This is not a plot twist. This is just everybody knows this except for the audience and we don't feel like we need to explain it to the audience they'll figure it out later on and then they can that is something that i don't see in films enough right like i mean it was pretty much the entire premise of memento famously Mm -hmm. um but in this film it's you know it's just a little throwaway piece where it's it's included that this happened this exposition happens in reverse order it doesn't really matter for anything, but it gives it gives so much more depth and, and realism to to the yeah. story and to to the characters that you're interacting with here for me. I mean, we do we have there is something about the naughty downwards whereby we went from some things being thrown away and some things being explained to everything must be explained. Yep. And everything I mean, must be relevant or not at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chekhov's gun has become the most important thing in movie storytelling and to to the detriment of the storytelling i feel a lot of the time right having mm-hmm. those those elements having the like not even just red herrings but just having additional depth and mm-hmm. and content just to give you the 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 feeling of of everything right is mm-hmm. it's what helps sell a film like this but also like you know much bigger more impressive things right you know you, mm-hmm. you've got you accidentally have them in the lord of the rings movies just because they end up cutting out elements of it mm. um but there's still those fragments that if you're familiar with the books you know that those are parts of bigger stories and they've been included out of love of the original sources but mm. yeah with you on all of that with you on all of that so i think I'm just thinking about so there's a couple the yeah there's a couple more things I, I wanted go to mention it, so, so one it. of them is is this is an all brick house which okay. is not that common in the US I mean it's not oh, really unheard of. okay uh, I mean for me uh, on the west coast it is especially unlikely because brick houses and earthquakes are not good bedfellows for the people gotcha. living inside them um, but even I feel on you know in the midwest now on the east coast you know, it's still less common to have a house made of brick. And I think it's just 
because practically it's it's significantly more expensive than a a house made of wood. Um, Very English. Yes, yeah, or at least colonial feeling yeah. for sure. Um, but then that fits with the mock Tudor thing we saw yeah. earlier when Piven was trying to Piven's character was trying to sell. Yeah. And 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 the the other piece of it is you know concrete construction and 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 more modern construction methods which are also cheaper have kind mm. of taken over right so if you're going to mm. build a house like would you build it out of red brick or would you build it out of breeze blocks right like yeah you know it, it's um just very very striking to see a residential house in particular that's kind of built of red brick like this and i think is another one of those things that kind of indicates just how uh well off debbie's father is that that this beautiful gorgeous grand house is he's all brick um is it me and, or does he also pass like some sort of outdoor area as well i mean this they have a big garden there's like space there's fencing there's there's yeah. there's, there's a place to hang out you know not quite a gazebo yeah. kind of thing but there's you know yeah wealth is very very visible but in a very very subtle way like the camera moves right. quickly enough that if you're not looking for the second time or third time or in your case the 42nd time you know you're not gonna notice yeah and and uh you know we mentioned this when um paul is showing off the house to martin right as they drive past mm. you know it is it's very it's a very impressive house mm. um it's also a house that's been used in numerous other films but um mm. you know there, there is that sense that it's uh uh it, it is it is affluent and and every element of the scenes kind of sells that um and then the last thing i wanted to talk about was the secret knock like the <laughs> the knocking on the window knocking on the frame knocking on the the doorpost um like it's so obvious that it, or it instantly tells you that this is something that he used to do as a kid when he was sneaking over yeah. you instantly get that impression and the way that that uh debbie jumps out of bed and, and yep. rushes over she knows exactly who it is right no one else yep. will go to the back door no one else will knock in that way she knows who it is and it was just such a nice little touch yep yep absolutely absolutely and it is it's yet again one of those things that shows you he has not left gross point behind yeah in, absolutely you know. he still remembers you know and i yeah. and i think that and and her feeling of excitement there i think is that's the moment where she wants to think of him as the Martin she remembered rather than maybe the Martin that he is now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's a very, very good point. And you know, there's so many ways they could have shot that scene. And I imagine they shot more than one version, but to have her, as you say, dash off the bed and the camera just turns and lets her walk. You know, you see her go through the doorway into the sort of hall area or whatever it is. Um, as opposed to keeping on her face, we just—it's—it's it's all in her body language. It's the excitement, and yeah. she practically dances. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the only thing that's missing is her just doing that slide across the floor to the door. Right. That you—you right. you know she would have been doing as a kid, and she's right. she's not that kid anymore. So she's not doing that, but she wants to. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And and at the same time, we know that she she's still wary of Martin, right? Like still very wary. And Despite I think this is the moment where that goes away. And, you think? and 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 I think next week's minutes will tell us more about that. But yes, I think that's this is the moment where it goes away. Okay. I'll... For now, for now, we, we it, it comes crashing back hard on a, a mm. in a little while. But true, uh, true. But it'll be a while before that. Yeah. 
Okie dokie. Shall we call it there? Let's do it. This was Minute 55 of the Gross Point Blank Podcast, Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, featuring your co-hosts, co-writers, and co-producers, Dev Sothergar and myself, Hugh David. Today's guest was nobody. Uh, it has just been the two of us today uh, and yesterday. <laughs> I kind of want to leave that in. I'm going to not. Leave I'm it gonna in. Start leave again. it in. It's fine. No, leave it in. Uh... If you would like to find us, you can find us on all good podcast players, presumably like the one you're listening to us to. But uh, if you're normally an Apple podcast listener and you've been struggling to find us on there, we are now live on there, despite Apple's best efforts to make that virtually impossible. Um, you can also find us on YouTube, uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, and Spotify as at Debbie Radio and on our website, DebbieRadio.com. And for all of those, as always, it is Debbie spelt D-E-B-I radio and finally if you want to come and chat with us find us at the facebook listeners group debbie radio 79.5 fm fan club sure was clear that all of this was new concentrating hard like a little girl smoking for the first time it wasn't